Hey, Cornerstone, how you doing? Man, happy Father's Day to you. Woo. How, many, how many fathers do we have in the room? Would you stand up? If you're a father, stand up. Very cool. Very cool. No, 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 stay standing, stay standing. I want to speak honor on you, because here's the deal. There's an awful lot of other places you could be today. And as fathers, you chose to be here with your families in church. Honor to you for being men of God. That's very cool. Very cool. Thank you, man. Thank you on the deal. Hey, we got a great Sunday for you. We've, we've got Corey Redding in the house. You're going to love this guy. You really are. He's got, he's got a great story that involves just manhood and being a father and I just think you're going to be uh, blessed out of your socks. Before we get there, here's what I want to do. I want to say uh, hi to our Scottsdale campus, to our Santan campus men. Glad you guys are here. And uh, fathers, you guys stand up. No, I'm teasing. You don't have to stand up again there. Um, but just, man, glad you guys are part of this. Uh, Corey Redding's in the house. Uh, you, you're going to enjoy him. Some of you may or may not be familiar with Corey Redding. We put together a little bit of a highlight reel for you. Here it is. Uh, Corey Redding. I'm the person that I am because I had a foundation laid in me when I was a little kid, and that's having God first in my life. See, screen pass is picked off. Corey Redding back the other way. What a play by Corey Redding. Rodgers sacked again, ball out. Picked up. Redding, live play, touchdown. Kareem Martin knocked it out, and Corey Redding takes it for the touchdown, a return of 36. Hey, do me a favor, give a cornerstone welcome, Corey Redding. So I, you know, I, I, when they put the highlight reel together, I, I, some of my favorite moments from last season were Corey Redding moments. I mean, there, there were moments in games where we were all biting our nails and going, man, something's got to, and you were there in the middle of it turning. That was cool. Well, you know, whenever uh, we needed a, the joke, they called the old man to go in. Well, there you go. <laughs> but here's, here's the part, here's the part that I got to ask you about. Because mm -hmm. I'm watching that one clip and yeah. it's the Detroit game. Yes. And you've, you've got the ball, and you're running for the end zone. There, there's only one guy between you and the end zone, and he tackles you. And he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback. That's like, I mean. <laughs> 
You know, the guys talked about me so bad <laughs> after that game. That the reason why I made it in the Green Bay game is because I did not want to get talked about again. Yeah. Well, that's the second part. So I'm watching the Green Bay highlight, yeah. okay? And, and true, I mean, you know, that guy comes up to t- and you just you threw him to the ground like he was a rag doll. You get to the end zone. You're ready to celebrate. You leap in the air about an inch and a half. <laughs> we joked about that. It was like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. I was just so happy to get to the end zone. So. Uh, they said, we couldn't man. put a pizza box under your feet. You man, know, I you can jump that high. <laughs> yeah, that didn't showcase uh, my, no, my dude, vertical No, we skills. are so glad you're here, man. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for being part of this. So I, I want to back uh, your story up because I, I know there are people in the room who don't know your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're a kid playing football in high school. Uh, you're just excelling uh, as that happens. Matter of fact, uh, when you finish your high school career, you end up being the number one high school recruit in the nation coming out of high school. What's that like? It was insane. Uh, I had no clue uh, that football and, and all of the things I've done on the field would you know, have me as labeled as not only the best player in my little neighborhood, the city of Houston, the state of Texas, but the entire country. Yeah. Um, that was very overwhelming for me. I didn't understand the magnitude of that at that time. But as my life evolved and I continued to just excel at football, I realized that God just had his hand in my life at different yeah. times that was setting me up to be on the grand stage to not only play in front of millions of people on, a, on TV every given Saturday or Sunday, but also able to spread the gospel and sprinkle seeds in people's lives uh, as I continue to play and evolve as a, as, you know, as, as a man. And so that's what God was doing. Yeah. He was building me up along the way and I had no clue. I was just playing football, a kid's yeah. game. So you're coming out of high school, number one recruit in the nation. Unfortunately, you signed with the University of Texas and not ASU, <laughs> right? No, I'm, te- I'm teasing, man. Great, great, great school. You end up playing at the University of Texas mm-hmm. and had a, just an amazing career. Matter of fact, I think you were inducted into their Hall of Fame just recently, right? Yep, U- yeah, UT Hall of Honor. Yeah. Uh, I was inducted uh, for a lot of cool things I did on the field. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was, it was hard. It was hard. I came out to the desert, you know, and I saw all the mountains and the yeah. heat. And I love the sun. And, you know, it was part of my recruiting trips. But, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to stay close to home <laughs> and chose okay. to go to UT. We were number two, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Two. All right. All right. All right. So you end, up, you end up having a 13-year NFL career so far. So we, far. we don't know what's going to happen this next season. Yeah. The average NFL player plays less than three years. Oh, yeah. Which means you're really, really mature. <laughs> Experience. We, yeah. don't, we don't say the yeah, old word. You're a veteran, we man. We yeah. don't say old. We say yeah. mature. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all the guys. I mean, all the young rookies coming in this year and the last couple of years. I mean, it was born in the early '90s. It was yeah. like, man, we used to watch you when I was in sixth grade, and I was like, sixth grade. <laughs> Let me carry the two. Let me see how old you are, <laughs> man. You know but what I'm know, doing? I mean, it, and we're, we're joking, but dude, anybody who plays 13 years, and again, we're hoping maybe a couple more, but. Uh, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable in the NFL. You played for five teams. Tell us the teams you played for. Drafted by the Detroit Lions. Played there for six years. Lion fans in the house. And wow, then I went over to that's Seattle. Painful, dude, man. <laughs> that's painful, dude. That's painful. Then I went over to Seattle for one year. That's okay. Um, <laughs> went there for one year in 2009. Then I flew all the way east to Baltimore Ravens in 2010 and 11. And then followed Chuck Pagano to Indy yeah. for three years and then flew down south to the desert to join up B.A. and Betcher in 2015 for the Cardinals last yeah. year. Yeah, very cool, man. 
Glad you did. Hey, we were talking, and I had just actually said, hey, what's, what's a moment? What's a moment on the field? What's a moment in your career that just kind of, you know, you'd say, hey, that was, that was one of my better moments, one of my cool moments that I'm going to remember, you know, about my career. You talked about uh, a time in India game when you were playing in India. Tell us about that one. Well, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to just single out one particular moment. Playing 13 years, I've, I've enjoyed a lot of NFC and AFC championship games and played a lot of great games. But one that stick in my mind and in my heart forever would be following Chuck Bagano to the Colts. And, you know, in our first year there, he is diagnosed with leukemia. And he started to go through chemo um, throughout training camp and was in the hospital from that point on. We didn't know when we was gonna see him. We kept the light on, you, you, you know, everybody saw a 30 for 30. Um, so we're getting ready for Green Bay. Green Bay's rolling, they're hot. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and crew, they're really tearing folks up. And so, you know, we're rebuilding the defense, rebuilding all these different things in Indy. And then we get word that Chuck will be in the building. He was in the owner's box and he was gonna be in the building. So for me, it was a, a different feeling than just wanting to win a football game mm. because at the end of the day, we play a kid's game. And at the end of the day, every, every time we relate games to war and stuff, yeah, we're gonna go out on the battlefield and all this stuff. But in the end, it's a kid's game. And when the clock reads zero, we're gonna go back home and we'll, you know, but this guy, Chuck, is fighting for his life. Hmm. We're fighting for just a football game. Yeah. You know, and so as big as everybody wanted to make it, I was more concerned about my friend and his life. So him being in the stadium, we're getting our tails kicked. It was like 20-something to three. And at halftime, I mean, I felt this spirit of fear, spirit of defeat, and I had to rebuke it. And the biggest, I was just like, get out of here. You, whatever spirit you are, we don't need you in the place. We got to come out here and win this game because this is bigger than just a game. This is about life and, 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 and fulfillment of life. And so I said a whole lot of other choice, motivational words to my teammates <laughs> to get them going. <laughs> Yeah, locker room words, maybe not church words, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, went back out on the field the second half, and we kicked their tails. We ended up winning the game, gave the game ball to Chuck, and it was just an overwhelming experience mm. for me because that's something that I would cherish forever. We're out there playing the kids' game, and life is so much more important than just baseball, basketball, sports, whatever you want to, you know, idolize what people want to do. Life is more important. People are more important. So invest in that because that, that means more. Yeah. Hey, <clears throat> I think, I think what happens also often is that we see guys like you and you're bigger than life. And we look at you and we go, man, I mean, talk about a blessed life. You know, this guy's got all this uh, physical talent. He's been able to play in the NFL, garner pretty good salaries. And, and we just go, man, it, you know, it, it's all been good. And what we don't realize is, is that there's the professional life and then there's personal life. There's oh, yeah. real life that goes on the rest of the time. And the reality is your personal life has had its share of bumps in it. Uh, beginning with the fact that when you were two or three, your dad takes off and leaves your home. Talk to us about that a little bit. Well, uh, you know, growing up, my mother never wanted to say anything bad about my father. Uh, she never wanted to be the woman to just paint this picture of this ugly monster that uh, her kids would go up resenting. You know, she wanted us to make our own decisions. Um, and so she basically kept it from us, but my sister, <laughs> she was like, I'm gonna tell you what you're doing. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I had to realize that my father made some poor choices. You know, he, he did some things that I, I would rule as not very manly. Hmm. Uh, I don't believe putting your hands on a woman is very manly. 
I don't believe forcing uh, anything upon a woman is manly. Hmm. Uh, you know, his, his absence in my life really played a huge part of my anger, my rage when I was younger. I never thought that I would have a life of what I'm at now because I thought that the only road for me is to end up like my father and, and who knows because the road I was going down was destruction. I was fighting all the time. I was, I was always getting kicked out of school or, or getting suspended and carrying a, you know, a little gun on me, hanging with these guys that was way older than I was and, mm. and wanting to be a part of the crowd and you know, doing drugs and drinking and doing different things when I was young. Didn't have a father there to show me how to be a, a young man and, and, mm. and, and to choose not to do these things. And so it was very, very rough. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to adjust other than go with the way of the world and, and what these other men, are, well, what these other guys are showing me what right. to do. Now, I, I think it's interesting because in the midst of your struggles, you actually had some church background. Your mom oh, yeah. uh, took you to church mm -hmm. and uh, you actually made a decision uh, fairly young in life. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, I was born and raised in the church. I, I often say that the hospital I was born in was 9118 Hearst Road, founding pastors Robert J. Anderson, church services on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday night, Bible study, Saturday, dress rehearsal for Sunday. Uh, I mean, I was always in church. I, my mother was, um, you know, she sung in the, uh, the choir. She was an usher. She did a lot of things within the church, but I slept underneath the pews in the choir stand as, as a young kid and until I was uh, too big to sleep under the pew anymore. So I had to stand beside her and sing in the choir because that's what she made me do. But, um, you know, I was born and raised in the church and I had the foundation in me, but yet I still wanted to be a part of the world. Um, I was rebellious. I, I, I knew the word, but wanted to go and hang with my crew, you know. Mm. When I was younger, God wasn't important to me. I thought I'd live forever, you know. And uh, yes, I have the word in me, but it was just, it was like on the back burner. I mm. was uh, wanted to, you know, fly my own plane in life. You know, I wanted to, you know, be the pilot of my own plane, but, and, and put God in the co-pilot seat. Because, you know, as men, we got it. We got it all figured out. But when I realized I was flying that plane in my, in my pilot seat, my plane was upside down. And every time I thought I was trying to go up in life, I was actually going down. Hmm. And, uh, and I realized that when that turn for me happened in college, uh, to, to make the decision to switch seats, uh, let the person who designed everything, who made me, who knows what's best for me, fly the plane the way it's supposed to be, and uh, guide me along the way, made my life so much better. Here's, here's why I think that's important, Corey, for some of us to hear. Because I guarantee you, we've got church kids in this room. We got kids who their mom and dad did the same. They brought them to church every single Sunday for all their lives. And they've just grown up being around church and Christ mm -hmm. and all that. And somewhere they're going to have to figure out if their faith is really their faith or if it's their parents' faith. And, and that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. That's a, Because if you don't figure that out, somewhere you're going to get out in life and life is going to overwhelm you. And I, I just want to say, if you're a young person in this room today, there's going to come a moment you got to stop riding mom and dad's coattails and decide that your faith in Jesus is your faith in Jesus and not your mom and dad's faith in Jesus, right? Yeah, that's, we, we can't get to heaven off of, you know, what grandma did or your mom and dad has, you know, brought you to church. We have to decide. Us as, individ, us as individuals, young or old, have to decide one day, I choose to love God. I mm. choose to follow Jesus. I choose to be the person that he's called me and created me to be. We have to make a decision. My daughter, I think it was last summer or two, 
after teaching them how to pray, teaching them the word of God and showing them different videos and stuff, my daughter walks up to me and say, Dad, I, I want to get baptized. Hmm. I was like, whoa, for real? She was, I want to be baptized. Do you know why? Yes, you know, and so she know Christ died for her. She knows she's a child of God. She wanted to have a deeper relationship with him. And man, I called, hey, pastor, we got to come over to the house and my daughter want to get baptized. And it was such an unbelievable experience because that let me know confirmation. My wife and I are doing everything that God has instructed mm -hmm. us to do to lay the seeds in our kids' lives to be men and women of God. Yeah. Now, I want to back this up a little bit, Corey, because here's, here's what I think happens. I think, I think we look at you and we go, okay, you're a man's man. Dude, you're, you know, you're just, you're big. You're, 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 and I mean that in a good way, but you're, I mean, you know, and so I think we look at you and we go, look, there, there's nothing going to mess this guy up or hurt this guy. And and yet, the reality is, you talked to me and you said, man, the absence of my dad messed me up. Mm -hmm. And I lived a whole bunch of years with just anger in my life, yeah. and that anger fueled a whole bunch of just horrible decisions for you. So walk us through that a little bit. I was number one player in the country and coming out of high school, not because I left a lot of weights and ran fast or watched a lot of tape. I was number one player in the country because I put my father's face in the helmets of the guys that I played. I was so angry at him that every team, every game, every player I went up against, I tried to just tear him apart. Hmm. Uh, that's the level of anger that I have from my father, the hatred I had because he was never there in my life. Hmm. It was through time that God had to soften my heart. Hmm. And, and I wondered how can I live with this in me because I will lash out on people that I love and, and you know, make wrong decisions because not what they did to me, because what he wasn't there for, you know, and what I didn't have. And, you know, I was, like I said, you know, fighting all the time and just, you know, being very reckless because of, I didn't have a way to channel that anger. I had two guardian angels in my life, Al Segura and, and, and Calvin Guillory, and they helped me channel that negative energy that no father in my life can be a positive, not a negative, and here's how. You can do all these things and have a great future in football and, and, and bless so many people and then change a lot of lives and have a lot of fun. Or you can be a leader in the streets, gangs and all these different things and drugs or whatever you want to do, you're going to end up in jail forever or dead. So you choose. Hmm. And like I said, we all have to decide someday. Uh, I decided to go the other way and channel my energy to being in a positive light and to help others that's like me channel their negative energy and turn it into a positive with the kids. You end up, you end up going through college. Uh, you're living a pretty wild, pretty reckless lifestyle through most of college. You get yeah. to the pros, you're still living out there, just yeah. doing what all the rest of the guys around you are doing. Yeah. There comes a point you go, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm done with, walk us through that, Cor. Help us understand that. College is college. I mean, we all have fun. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, big man on campus. We're drinking all hours of the night. We're partying. We're having a good time. And I get into the league, and, I mean, you think things have changed, but they just stayed the same. I mean, the, the parties got wilder. Uh, the, the hours got later, you know, and, and uh, you know, just, just making bad decisions. At the time, I'm married. I'm young. I'm dating my girlfriend in college, and, you know, we separate, she's about to go and teach, and I'm doing my football thing, and I'm dating these girls in Detroit, and, and I'm like, not fulfilled. I'm like, I feel like they're just with me because of 
what I am. They're not with me because of who I am. Hmm. I got to go back home and I got to find this woman. So, you know, proposed to, you know, now my, my wife for 13 years, uh, married with three kids and flew home on a Thursday, got my tuxedo on Friday, said I do on Saturday and back on the plane Sunday on my bye week with my <laughs> wife. And 13 years later, you know, it's great, but it wasn't always great. You know, my first three years of my marriage was rough. It was rocky uh, to the point of almost separation. Why? Because I never had the instructions of how to be a father. I never had the instructions of how to be a husband. I never had the instructions of, it's okay to put your macho-ness to the side and be that loving, that kindness, that warm, that, 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 that person that she need. Not always physical love, but that emotional love that I needed to share and to be with my wife. I didn't have that. I had to learn from other guys and their marriage and evaluate their marriage and, and, and put their marriage to the test to say, can I take advice for them and use it for myself so I can better my situation? And, and it was, you know, some men in my life that really helped me and guided me in that way. And once I understood that, that's to the point where I got tired. I got mm -hmm. tired of the late nights. I got tired of the drinking. I got tired of staying out and, and just being with my boys. And I, in the summer or spring, basically like the third year, fourth year in the league, I just basically made a 180, almost like just turned around and just got on my knees and said, Lord, please forgive me. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, I, I need you. You know, I can't do this by myself. Um, and that moment has changed my life forever because he's taught me and he's putting people in my life to show me how to be a husband, mm -hmm. how to love my wife, how to be the protector and the provider, and how to be a father to my kids, how to be a dad to my kids. We all are fathers when you have a kid. It's on your birth, it's on your birth certificate. You are the father. But it's something special you have to do to be a dad. Hmm. And that's something that you got to earn. It's not given. It's not given. You, Corey, you said to me, it was like in that moment when you turned and you said, okay, God, I'm done and yeah. I'm ready to be here. That God almost like said to you, I've been waiting for this, right, <laughs> on the deal. And that literally getting your heart right with God started taking being a husband and taking a father at least in the right direction yeah. for you, right? Yes, it's... Life is not complicated, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. All you got to do is just open the book. I call the Bible the book because it's, it's, a, it's a lot of stories. It's a lot of life lessons in there. But um, when I realize to be the best person I can be, I need to have the best person with me. Whenever you go to the gym to work out by yourself, you get to a point where it gets tough. You don't want to have to, you don't want to hit the extra lift. You don't want to have to hit the extra set. You don't want to run that extra lap. You want to give up. It's easy to give up when you're by yourself. But when you have someone stronger than you that you can pull on, you can lean on, you can say, Lord, I, I need you, man. I, you know, I need you to come through in a big way. He's always been there. All he's asking mm -hmm. is for you to just trust him and come to him. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, <laughs> Pastor Lynn, my whole life changed. And uh, he just kept revealing himself time and time again to me and showing me he's always been there and saying, thank you, son, for coming back home. And I knew you can do it. I knew it was tough and you wanted to give up, but no matter how dirty your dirt was, I still forgive you. Mm. I still love you. Wash all that stuff away and let's go forward. Here's why I think that was important for some of us to hear, because I guarantee you there's some men in this room right now and life feels really frustrating. Mm. Marriage isn't going the way they thought marriage was going to go. Kids is harder than they thought kids was going to be. And there's a good chance, there's a good chance for a whole bunch of us that just kind of getting things right with God would push the rest of this in the right direction. Yeah. It may not fix it all, but it would get us going in the right direction. Yeah. And we've been resisting that. We've been struggling with that. And, and 
maybe, maybe the best thing that's gotten said in this room today for some of us is to say, hey, fix it with God and let God help you fix it with the rest yeah. on the deal. So thank you for saying that, man. Great. Yeah, no problem. <clears throat> yeah. Here's, here's what I think is super cool, uh, Corey. You grew up with a da- out of dad, and yet you're rewriting your family's legacy. Mm-hmm. You're saying, hey, I didn't have this. This wasn't part of my life. But that's not going to be the story of my kids. And, 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 I, and the, the Redding family story is going to be different because of who I choose to be. Talk to us about what you're doing to be a husband, to be a dad. When you serve a real God, you face a real enemy. All right? He's going to put roadblocks in your way. He's going to do things to keep you off that path. Um, there's generational curses that we all have in this room. Folks say you, you're not going to be better than this, or you're going to be just like that, or you're only going to go this high in life and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. I chose to break these generational curses starting with me. I can't look and say, well, uh, you know, we're in this situation because X, Y, and Z. No, it's, it's got to start somewhere. So be bold, take the responsibility, and let it start with you. Let it manifest throughout the rest of your family. As men, we're charged to lead. We are charged to lead, and, and it's okay. Joshua was scared in the Bible too before he went to Gideon. He was scared, but God told him, don't be afraid, for I have overcome them. So it's okay to be afraid, but still accept the challenge, take the responsibility of being a father, earn the title of being called a dad, and just live the life the way God intended us to be. Men that fear him, that love our families, and being leaders of our, of our families, and, I, and that's what I chose to do to change my family's legacy, break these generational curses and, and equip and empower my children to be God-fearing people um, that's just gonna carry the Reading Lane in a different light moving forward. I could, you know, will we, what's behind us, that's what we learn. But we have the ability to make a decision to change it moving forward. So we're gonna do that. Hmm. Corey, you, talk, you talked a little bit about the idea of just Kind of doing life with your kids, you know, being at the game, hanging out, reading, you know, reading a story at nighttime. Yeah. Tell, tell us about some of the simple stuff you do just to be a dad. I mean, I got my hands involved in a lot of stuff. I try to keep myself busy. My wife looks at me and is like, what are you doing? You know, uh, you know, and I'm like, babe, you know, it's, it's, it's all going to work out. But at the end of the day, no matter how much you try to pursue being a CEO, no matter how much. Uh, goals you try to accomplish in life, no matter if you want to climb out and Everest, go skydiving, or just, you know, doing crazy things to live life in, the, in this extreme. The best things you can do in life is to be involved in your children's life because it is a legacy you're building that's going to stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. I enjoy reading bedtime stories with my kids, getting on our knees and we're praying, throwing a you know, baseball at my son you know, so he can hit it and see how far he can go, watching them swim in the pool, learning how to ride a bike in the street, uh, climbing a tree. I mean, involved with my kids as much as I can. And I get so much fulfillment out of that than anything that I can do on a football field or in the world of business. Um, that's more important. That's gonna outlast anything that you can ever possibly do because your name on plaques will come and go. But the name on your back that your kids will carry on forever, that will never fade away. So you want to make sure that that's some strong foundation, some strong lessons in life that they're going to take to encourage their kids, their kids, and their kids. And the legacy you're building right now will impact generations from years to come. Mm -hmm. So that's more important. Corey, do me a favor. 
Give a word of encouragement to dads. Just one thing that you would say to every single dad in this room, just to say, you know, this, go after this as a dad. Encourage us today. Everybody know the story of Noah, right? Everybody know the story of Noah, right? <laughs> All right. We haven't gotten to that one yet. I want to know uh, if y'all have some coffee this morning. <laughs> All right. Noah uh, was told by God to build a boat. And I want you to get two by two of every animal on earth. I'm going to flood the earth and I'm going to make it new, all right, and start all over. So Noah did exactly that. Take Noah's job, his responsibilities, and put it into your life, all right? Build your boat as big as you can build it and start with your kids. Get your wife. Get your in-laws, whether you like them or not. Get them. (laughs) Get your parents, your neighbors. The, the, the milkman around the corner, get anyone you can. We're supposed to share the gospel. We're not supposed to keep it to ourselves. So if you have something that's going to empower people to get them to the kingdom of heaven, why not share it? Get everybody you can, put them on the boat and take them to heaven with you. My deal is when I get to heaven, I don't want to get there and not see my wife and kids. If that was to happen, I have failed as a father. Say that again. I don't want to live eternity. I don't want to live a short amount of time on earth and enjoy all these different things with my wife and my, and my kids and my family and get to heaven and not see them for eternity. It's your responsibility, man, to take the challenge. Step up to the plate. Build your ark and take your family with you. Take your friends with you. Take everyone with you. Share the gospel with as many people as you can because God has done too many great things in our lives for us not to share. Every day above ground is a great day. All right? You need to share that love and to share everything that God has done for you. Win their hearts over for Christ and uh, get them on the boat and take them to heaven with you so we can all party and celebrate. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, go ahead and grab a seat real quick. Men, I, I just, I want to say to you, I, I think, I, here's the deal. I think so often women intuitively understand the power of family and relationship. And I think men sometimes were a little late to the game. But I, can I just tell you, there is nothing more powerful than the influence of a father. And being a father is not bringing home a paycheck. It's not. It's, it's taking the influence that God has leveraged in your life and leveraging it into the lives of your kids. I, we celebrated Father's Day last night at my home, several generations in the room. I looked across uh, my kitchen. There's my son uh, with his wife, Amy. She's pregnant uh, with their first child. And I'm just going to tell you the pride of knowing that my son is building a godly Christian home. Man, that outweighs the pride of, I think, just about anything else I've ever done in my life. And man, I'm just telling you, this, this is where you make your mark. Nobody's going to care that you were CEO of anything. They're going to care about how great a dad you were, how great a husband uh, you were. And I'm just saying, men, do this well. If you do nothing else in your life well, do this well. Here, here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask every guy in the room to stand up, whether you're a father or not, because if you're not a father, you're probably going to be. Some of us may never be. Some of us 
Uh, one of the greatest influences in my life was my uncle. Uh, didn't have kids when he was influencing me. So I'm just going to ask every man in the room to stand up, and I just want to pray over you right now. I'm going to pray that we would be the men that God has called us to be. Let's do this. Hey, dearest Heavenly Father, I pray over these men. And God, I, I'm just going to ask that we would leave this room today refocused and reprioritized, that, that we would steel ourselves to say, look, I, it's not about the next promotion. It's, it's not about closing the next deal. It's about being a great husband and a great dad. That's where I'm going to leave my mark. That's where I'm going to live my life with no regret. And God, I'm just praying for every man in this room that they would be men of legacy, that they would be men whose lives run so deep within their families, so deeply within their neighborhoods. Maybe they'll end up being a father to a neighbor kid. But that God, that they would be so influential in their maleness that God, lives couldn't help but be changed. And God, may it be said of Cornerstone, if you want to see a real man, a godly man, go check out Cornerstone. And this I pray in your precious name. Amen.